I want to thank our sponsors, Athletic Greens, who created AG1, one of the most innovative packets of supplements, including 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. These ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I personally started using Athletic Greens and love the way I feel in the morning after I drink it. And I no longer have energy crashes throughout the day. And the best part is that it's delicious. The founder of Athletic Greens created AG1 because he experienced a ton of gut health and ended up on a complicated and expensive supplement routine to recover. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash yasmine. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash yasmine, Y-A-S-M-E-E-N, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hi, my name is Yasmine Terehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Today's episode is about thriving through uncertainty and creating the work you love with Tama Keeves. Tama is an honors graduate of Harvard Law School and left her law practice to write and help others create their most extraordinary lives. She's the author of This Time I Dance, Creating the Work You Love, Inspired and Unstoppable, Wildly Succeeding in Your Life's Work, and A Year Without Fear, 365 Days of Magnificence. Her most recent book is Thriving Through Uncertainty, which we all need to read right now, which is also featured in USA Today, Forbes, Oprah Radio. I'm just so excited to welcome her to the show. She is highly recommended to me from a number of people in my own network. So you could check her out at www.tamakeeves.com. So Tama, welcome to the show. I'm honored to be here and excited. So Tama, to kick it off, how do we deal with and hold uncertainty? And why do you call it a superpower in your book? I think it's a superpower because most of us are, you know, operating from our minds and our heads and trying to figure everything out. And when uncertainty happens, it just stops everything. It's it's that the old ways won't work anymore and it's frustrating, but it's time to listen to that extraordinary inner voice inside you. So, you know, I was going to read you just something really quickly that that talked about it. It's from the book and it it may start off our conversation in a cool way. Um, It says, you might feel like things are challenging at this moment in your life, but let's get this straight right now. It's not because you're failing or broken. It's because your spirit demands soaring, not coping. It's your time. That's what I mean about uncertainty being a superpower is that we're trying to cope. We're trying to just get through life the way we've always gotten through it. Just It may not have been great, but it's what we knew. And these are the times when we are opening up to something amazing inside us. And so that's, that's why uncertainty is a superpower. Oh, wow. I love that so much. I, I think that uh, it seems like so many people are resigning from their work or having these kind of unexpected changes. And so the idea that um, that we are just coping, that we're not really fully alive and fully you know, embodied and living the highest version of ourselves is something a lot of us, I think, are not thinking about. So I, I do, I love that so much. And in your book, you also say that finding faith and taking a vow is critical. Um, let's talk about that because I, I think that the commitments that we make and what we tell ourselves is something um, that manifests in our day to day. That's a nice way to put that. Yes. <laughs> you know, to, to go back to what you were saying is that, again, most of us, when we are facing uncertainty and we're just trying to cope and we're just trying to get by, uh, again, we're trying to do the things that we know and we may be operating out of fear. 
And this is the wake-up call of a lifetime to operate out of your strength, out of your love. And that's what I mean by that, taking a vow. You know, in my own life, you know, uh, I talk a lot about my own crazy career transition of being an attorney and walking out of everything and wanting to be a writer with all my heart and, and facing so many challenges and so many fears. And your mind goes crazy. Your, your mind starts saying these dark stories like you're never going to make it, you're crazy, you're too old. And that's why it's so important to decide upfront what voice am I going to listen to inside my soul, inside my mind? What am I going to commit to? Because what I'm asking people to commit to at this point in their lives is their strength, is their love, is the superpowers inside each of us that comes from our hearts. And again, it's about soaring. It's about doing something very different. It's a paradigm shift. And for me, that was scary as hell. I mean, I can sound, I can sound like, oh yes, do this. No, it's like, I did it as survival because I have a, I have a brainy brain that just kept yakking at me the entire time. Like, oh, sure, you're going to be a writer, you know, you and everyone else. Um, but it was really important to take control of my mind. And one of the things that I teach all the time is that your response to your fears, your response to your life is your life. And it's about learning how to do that. So let's like actually walk through an example of this, okay? Because there's a lot of people who are facing things like getting fired from their job and not having an opportunity right away or divorce. There's a lot of divorce during the pandemic, um, you know, a lot of death. Okay, so what what do you say to yourself when calamity hits? What's the sort of- <laughs> Well, what I say is, oh shit, but um, <laughs> that's the first response, right? Um, so I guess the first thing to know, it's not that we don't feel our feelings. It's not that we're not scared. It's not that we're suddenly superhuman and we're, you know, we all of a sudden have it together. I think mostly what it is, it's a, it's a context shift where you're at least knowing, okay, this is an initiation. This is happening for me. It's not happening to me. There is a way through this that is going to be better than what I had before. So the first thing I would say to somebody when you're in the middle of freaking out or you're scared or you're out of your, you know, it's not the time to be a superhero. It's not the time at that moment. It's the time to comfort yourself and soothe yourself and be kind to yourself while also knowing that your fears may be lying to you. Your fears are lying to you. So there's, you know, so again, it's just comforting yourself or being kind to yourself because the safer you can feel, that's when you hear a quieter voice. That's when you can hear an inner knowing. And that's what we're going to be tapping into. Mm. If your fears are lying to you. They're lying and they're loud and they're and they're so convincing. Like mine has a Harvard law degree. Mine's like making the case for why you're gonna fail. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, that's so that's powerful. And this is really, this is really a spiritual awakening. It's really a it's really a time of learning how to listen to an inspired self rather than the tired self. Right. And it's a paradigm shift. It's not easy. It's, it, you know, but it is a, it's a focus. It's where I put my attention, where I put my attention, what I indulge. Right. And so that's what we're going to be learning during this entire time. Whenever you're going through any kind of shift or any kind of change, thriving comes from listening to the love inside you instead of the fear. Mm. Well, so let's talk about that. Like, how do we cultivate this authentic connection to our life path and our inner voice like how do we trade um how do we you know stay like true to ourselves what's what's the sort of path to move towards I, that i think <laughs> that's a big question <laughs> i got big answers <laughs> life's work of big answers of you know, one of the things that I work with, because I'm always helping visionaries and artists and creators and career transitioners of anyone to live their true life's work. And so the first thing I'm always going to tell people is do something you love, do something you love. And I know when you're freaking out or you're scared, you're thinking, I don't got time to write poetry. I don't I don't have time to, you know, uh, finger paint or whatever. But here's the thing. 
If you start doing what you love, it will change your brain chemistry. You will get in touch with a strength that is inside you that does know what to do. Because again, this is a paradigm shift in the way we think. When I'm in touch with, you know, for me, when I was first leaving law, when I really started getting in touch with writing, when I wrote, because that was my dream, when I wrote, I connected with this higher forces and this higher love. And I thought, okay, this has to be real. This has to be something. But then, of course, my fears would kick in and go, well, you know, you're just delusional or you can't make money or all of those all of those things. And so what I'm going to ask people to know is the more you do things you love, the more you speak with love, the more you talk to people you love, the stronger you get so that any change you're going through, I want you going through it resourcefully, empowered, listening to your highest mind, your highest love. You know, and the other thing is, you know, when you were saying, like, what's something we can do? We can stop talking to the people who don't support us. We can stop talking to the people who maybe are asking us questions that are freaking us out because this is a time, it's a sacred time of opening and listening for the first time to who you really are and beginning again and again and again. And, you know, sometimes like, you know, for me, I always joke around, my mother would always be asking, are you going to get a real job yet? You know, are you, are you even looking? Do you know what Susan Finkenberg is making? You know, so those were not helpful conversations. They were not empowerments. You know, I'd be like, Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss, ma. You know, and you're going to follow your bliss, you know, and so. So again, I had to make the decision when I was frightened to really surround myself with support and to really, it's almost like giving birth. You're going to make it sacred. You're going to make it safe, right? And that you're going to, you're going to start studying with teachers or mentors or coaches or therapists or ministers or whoever that empower the extraordinary resources in you. Because by the way, when you let go of fear, when you quiet the fear, there's so much more power inside you. That's so, so much more creativity and ideas and dreams. And what if this time of uncertainty is asking you, it's time to begin again. It's time to create the life you really want, the life you've always wanted, not the safe life, the true life. So powerful. <laughs> uh, why do you also say that we shouldn't take advice um, or that we should think twi- twice before we do that? You know, so one of the things that came up for me constantly, you know, is so I I started, you know, becoming a writer and then that led to, you know, uh, led to coaching people and it led to speaking and it led to doing an online business. And, and as anybody knows, if you're going into business or you're doing a career transition or you're in the middle of a divorce or whatever it is, everybody's got advice for you, right? Everybody's got, you know, oh, here's the 10 steps you need to know. Here's the three ways that you could fail, right? And and one of the things that got in my way was I was trying, I was trying to listen to everybody else's idea for how I should succeed. You know, okay, what are you supposed to do? Or how do you really write a book that sells? Or how do you really do this? Or how do you really do that? And I had to learn to stop to stop taking everyone else's advice so that I could listen to what I really wanted and to what really moved through me. And because what I know is that if you're moved from within, if you're moved, if you're excited, if you're on fire, you will move mountains. You will move in ways that nobody else can imagine. You have creative powers, but it's about using your creative powers. And so I was so busy trying to do everything right that I wasn't doing what was right for me. So I'm always asking people to, instead of taking everybody else's advice, right, is that I want to know what you know. I want to know what's moving you. I want to know what's what's exciting you. And again, this is a spiritual journey. This is a journey of listening to that power in you and being instructed. Why would you take the advice of an expert when you have a genius inside you, when you have genius or you have God or you have a spirit or whatever you want to call it, 
But I deeply believe more than ever before that everybody's got this innate genius and we are here to move the world. We are here to shift the world by listening to what's inside us instead of where everybody else tells us. I love that, that inner genius. Cause I think a, a lot of people do ask others for, you know, that, what is it, what should be that inner wisdom? And so how do you cultivate that? Do you spend a lot of time by yourself? Like what, what do you do to sort of cultivate that inner wisdom? <laughs> It's a great question. Uh, it changes rapidly. And that's the other thing, by the way, of like listening to how you get inner wisdom, that might be different for everybody, right? So like, you know, I, I used to like always envy all the introverts, you know, because it's like, oh, great. They can be alone in their rooms and light candles and listen and what's wrong with me. Uh, so my favorite technique for me, and it's it's one of the techniques I really map out in Thriving Through Uncertainty, my book, and, um, and in a lot of my work is I use a technique I call the inspired self dialogue. It's a writing technique. It's a journaling technique because I... I have a very active mind, as you might imagine. You may, you may, you may see that. Uh, I have a very active mind. It's you know coming up with fears and coming up with fears. And if you tell me, oh, just be quiet and just listen within, all those fears are going to be what talks to me, right? So when I when I do this technique, I literally write out what's scaring me or the fears or the debilitating thoughts, and I write them out, and then I allow my inspired self to answer them. I imagine the most loving voice imaginable, the highest voice of intelligence, brilliance, um, or maybe it's somebody who's loved me before, I imagine their voice, or I might imagine if I were talking to my best friend or child or someone I wanted the whole world for, what would I say to their fear, right? So I'll just journal that back of, and I just do a dialogue back and forth. It's a great way, at least for me uh, and many of my clients, to get in touch with a wisdom that is always there because you do have a wisdom that's always there. Here's the deal. When you're in fear, you're blocking out the genius. But it doesn't mean the genius isn't there. It doesn't mean you don't have an invincible path already. It doesn't mean you don't already have your own answers. It just means that you're listening to fear. And so that's always going to be the choice. Do I listen to the fear or do I start listening to love? And do I make that my vow? Do I make that my focus? Because my faith is my attention. It's wherever I put my focus. And when you start listening to that, it's other shifts begin to happen. Other, other awarenesses begin to happen. New memories, new ideas you, everybody knows the feeling of like when you're in the zone, right? And it's like all happening and you even get the parking space and everything, right? It's like, it's like, it's that. And so again, it's going to constantly be a practice of learning your way to listen to it. And so I, you know, I gave you inspired self uh, dialogue. Somebody else might say, yeah, writing's not my thing. Walking in nature is, uh, talking to my best friend is whatever it is. And, and also I, I personally believe very much, uh, in, any kind of spiritual path that supports your journey. Something that was very, very important in my own uh, is I've taught A Course in Miracles for close to 30 years. So that's been really important to me. Wow. Uh, where do you teach it? Because I'm... Oh, join me, baby. I'm online, honey. I'm, I'm worldwide. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, and I teach it. And I also do a lot of in-person retreats and all kinds of great stuff, you know, so you can always go to my website. But I do a lot of... Um, eight-week journeys online that have been so incredible, have just been really, really powerful of, uh, because I use our lives as the curriculum, right? So it's less about the concepts and it's more about let's, let's take your life, let's take whatever's going on and let's use that. Because one of the concepts in A Course in Miracles and, and in my book, Thriving Through Uncertainty, is that again, your life is already working out. There's something here for you right now. Even the fears that are coming up, they're helpful in the sense that, you know, like, like when I left law and I had to reinvent myself, all the fears that came up, even though they're frightening and they're difficult, it really forced me to start looking at the relationship I had with myself. And I'd been living my whole life out of fear. I'd been living my whole life out of self-criticism. And it really... 
I could not succeed. I could not create the work I loved and the path I loved from fear and from self-hatred and from self-criticism. It had to come from a relationship of love with myself. And so even those fears or challenges that came up, they served me because they, they forced me to start really shifting how I lived everything in my life. Wow. And so A Course in Miracles is 365 days, right? So you would teach like a full year course? No, actually. So the the, the uh, curriculum itself, I mean, it's a life path, right? So there is a book, right. right? Yeah, that is 365 days, but it's like studying, you know, Buddhism or something, right? It's, it's a whole lifelong path. So what I do in my courses, they're like eight weeks. I will take the most important concepts um, to start work, having people work with it right now, to, to tap into their inner voice right now, to learn how to undo fear right now. So, and again, I'm much more interested in the experiential journey of it so that if people are studying the person miracles on their own, it's just so much richer, or you never even have to study the book, but you get the, you get the inner authority of it. Oh, got it. Got it. Oh, very interesting. Um, so what about when making decisions, um, you talk about like the monkey mind and, you know, over analytical kind of fear-based thoughts, but what's the importance of the heart when making decisions? You know, I think that's everything because, you know, again, I had learned to create safety through listening to my brain. I had been raised in a typical, you know, society about, you know, make, make intelligent choices and listen to your brain. And I had learned to ignore my heart. I had learned like the heart seemed like, oh, that's nice. Or that's, you know, that's not safe. Or those are the softer skills, but you really got to make critical, critical minded choices and be smart about it. And the thing that I have learned more than anything else in some ways is that your heart and your soul and your creativity is the greatest strength you will ever have. So when I'm working with clients, for instance, I meet so many people that will tell me, Tim, I can't make a decision. I, I just can't figure it out. I can't, you know, I, I'm just so confused. And I know that when somebody's confused, they're they're in their heads, right? They're in their heads and they're in different competing thought systems. I want to get them in touch with their heart, with their knowing, with their love, because there are no confusion there. So um, the, the analogy I use in Thriving Through Uncertainty, for instance, is um, it's as though if you're on top of an ocean, you're swimming in the ocean and all the waves look alike, right? And you're trying to make a decision and every every thought, every wave looks alike. But if you drop down below the below the surface of the ocean, everything becomes clear and quiet and distinct. And so that's the difference is that when we're in our heads, it's all confusing and it's all equal. I want you to be led. I want you to be led by that love inside you. And again, by that knowing inside you. And so it is an art to learn how to start listening to your heart instead of your head, because it's the smartest thing you'll ever do. And are there exercises that you guide people um, to kind of move their attention into their heart? Because I think when I tell people, uh, you know, to think from their heart or to, you know, really get into their heart to make a decision, they're always like, what does that what mean? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very head question. Um, but, and I would be that. By the way, the, the ironic thing about all of this, just so you know, is I was never this person, right? I, I, I would be your nightmare client asking all these questions. So I always think, oh my God, if I can learn this, anybody can. Of What it means, I think the base, most easiest way to do it, I think is again, start with things you love, start with what you love. And again, people will start going, well, I didn't even know what I love, or I, I don't even love anything anymore. But usually, well, you know, usually when people are saying, I don't know what I love, what they're, especially in the career context, they're asking the wrong question because they're usually asking, what do I love that makes money? What do I love that I'm not too old for? What do I love that I don't need a degree for? Right. And so I'm not asking any of that. I'm asking, what do you love? I don't care if it makes sense. I don't care if it's, I want to walk on the beach. I want to leave it all behind. I want to, I want to just hang out with dogs now. Right. And your mind might go crazy going, oh my God, that's so unproductive. You know, that's so dangerous. But again, 
if you follow the voice of the heart, it will be like a breadcrumb path. It will be one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. It's like this secret path you've got in life, right? So again, I would always start with what do you love? What would be fun right now? What would be interesting right now? And by the way, I will, I will say a caveat. Uh, again, when I first left law, if you had said, what would be fun? What would be your passion? I didn't know. I had no idea. If I, if you had held a gun to my head and said, what would you love to do? You could do anything. I would have told you, I want to take a nap. I'm exhausted. And so I have a chapter, the year of sleeping dangerously, because that was what my heart was saying at that time, right? So sometimes what's fun or loving is not what your mind thinks, is not what your brain thinks is a good idea, but something in you knows this is the next step, that you need nurturing, that you need space, that you need love, and that everything else comes from there. Mm, so powerful. Uh, wow. Um, something that I needed a reminder of today. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so um, what about when you know, when we look at our reality, because I think a lot of people assume that things happen to them, you know, how much of our reality are we actually, do we have control over? You know, I, I think, I mean, that is such a big question. And, um, and again, everybody will have different theories on it. Um, I, I guess my main focus is, uh, like coming back to what I was saying before, that your response to your life is your life. I don't even care what's happening in your life. I don't care what the circumstances are. I don't care what the events are. You can have a different focus that opens this up into everything you need, right? And so it's always about how I'm responding to my life that's creating my life, that's creating my experience of my life. So again, a better way to say that maybe is it's, it's again, the experience of my experience. Because again, many of us think that, oh, well, I need to have a certain amount of money to be happy, or I need to have the right lover to be happy, or I need to have thin thighs to be happy, or whatever it is. And it's, you know, in thriving through uncertainty, it's all about let's thrive now. How about that? Let's thrive right here, right now, because your ego is always going to be lying to you and saying, it's over there when I get this, when I get that. And so again, um, for me, it's always going to be about being here in the present and we create everything. You know, again, I've created my entire career out of absolutely nothing except love, except focus. And, and at every single instant, I had these voices that, you know, like were terrifying me of just you know, you're not going to make it. It's not going to be okay. I'll give you an example. Um, when I wrote my first book, it took me like 12 years to write it. And I didn't have an agent. I didn't have a publisher. I didn't have a contract. I didn't have anything. And, you know, you have those negative voices that are just saying, you're out of your mind. This isn't going to work. And I walked into a bookstore one day and there was a brand new book on exactly the topic I was writing about. And so, of course, everything in me just, you know, got depressed and scared or whatever. And I kept hearing that voice. And it's what I call a choice point moment. And in this choice point moment, I'm going to ask you again, what voice do you listen to? Will you decide this moment in your life from your fear or from your strength? Because my strength at the time kept saying, no, you just have to trust. You have to keep writing this book. You have to just trust. You have to trust. And what it said was, what's it going to feel like at the end of your own life to know you had this dream, to know you had this calling, but you didn't go through with it. You stopped yourself. It's one thing if the world stops us, but you stopped yourself. And so for me, that's an example of creating my own reality. It's like I decided which voice I listened to. I followed it. I kept following it. Not only did I publish that first book, I self-published that first book at first, and it got discovered by the publisher of my dreams. Uh, they, I'm not, it's like a fairy tale. Literally, they wrote, um, uh, um, a publicist wrote to me and said, this is the best book I've ever read on finding your calling, finding your dream. Can I get it to a New York house? She got it to the publisher I dreamed of, Tartar Penguin, uh, Random House, and they bought the book exactly the way that it was. They kept the same title. They kept the exact words. 
as an unknown author, I would never have started my path that way. I would, it would never have been like that. But I always tell my clients, you can't plan an inspired life. You're not going to plan this. You're going to follow it. So when you say about creating your reality, for me, if you listen to the voice of love inside you, you will have a loving life. Mm. That's so inspiring. I So, and I'm, it's so synchronistic that we're talking because um, I have self-published books on a different subject in business before, but I've been, um, I, I did a TEDx talk earlier this year about how to use your intuition to make better decisions. So I put together a book proposal and now I'm sort of at this point where I'm like, should I just self-publish or should I just look for an agent? Cause I know that that game is quite, um, you know, it's sure. difficult. Mm -hmm. So this just gave me so much inspiration. Excellent. <laughs> and you might, you might really enjoy that first book, which was this time and dance or inspired and unstoppable is probably even more where you are right now. Um, inspired and yeah, wildly okay. succeeding in your life's work. Is it on uh, Audible as well, or, or is it just in print? Uh, this time I dance. Uh, I is audio on my site, um, and then uh, the other books are audio. I think. Uh, Amazing. Okay, awesome. Um, and so, what do you think a successful life looks like to you? Oh, what do I think a successful life looks like to me? It's more what it feels like, you know, <laughs> I guess, because, you know, I'll go back to, you know, it's, it's my origin story. So it's what I use all the time. Uh, but for me, it's, it's uh, something a lot of people relate to, which is many of us have what society says is a successful life, you know, or deems successful or what you're supposed to have. So, when I uh, when I was practicing law, I was on partnership track and I was in a major law firm and I was utterly miserable and I felt empty. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who have what you're supposed to have or, you know, you're doing the right things, but you feel empty. You feel lost. And so for me, it's about listening to that because when I was young, I knew what I wanted. I, when, I was, when I was young, I knew I wanted to write. That was my dream early on in high school or something. And I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, my family was Orthodox Jewish. And, you know, my mother would always say, you're going to write, you're going to starve. You're going to write, you're going to starve. <laughs> You know, what you can't write on a Sunday, you'll get a real job, right? And so I got all these messages as I think many of us get these kinds of messages. So I took that safe path. I took what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to do to quote, be successful. And I got to a place of being so unhappy. And thank God a friend of mine at the time asked me, you know, if you're this successful doing something you don't love, what could you do with what you love? And that rocked my world, right? That was, that was the opening of everything. So when you asked, what does a successful life look like? I think the better question or, or, or an amplification of that question is, what does it feel like? Because anyone who's listening, I don't care if it looks successful to someone else. I want to know what does it feel like to you? And when I define wildly successful, by the way, because, you know, I have that book, Inspired and Unstoppable, wildly succeeding in your life's work, right? And, um, and when I define wildly successful, to me, it's, for me, it's the feeling of knowing that I am doing the right thing with my time on earth. I'm doing the right thing for me with my time on earth. It's that feeling. It's that knowing. Right. So, again, I'm going to ask everybody to think about that. And again, you don't have to. It doesn't mean you have to be a whole huge life transition where you have to change everything. It could be a slight adjustment. It could even be a micro adjustment of I'm going to start asking these questions. I'm going to start really listening. I'm going to start speaking my truth, whatever it is. For me, wildly successful is am I doing what's right for me? And if not, then let's spend every waking second resource, anything to find out what that is and how to do it. Cause it's extraordinary and it's worth it. And the other thing I will say, I know I'm, I'm crazy for this topic. <laughs> the other thing I will say is that for me, what I, you know, I travel a lot, I speak and, and um, I always tell my partner, you know, if God forbid this plane goes down, you need to know I'm at peace. I'm doing what I'm meant to do. 
Right. And so for me, that's what a wildly successful life is. Oh, I <laughs> love that so much. Uh, this is so inspiring. So what do you think, um, you know, in terms of the pandemic, like, has that shifted your perception um, of this work? Uh, what have you sort of seen? Maybe you could share some stories of of people that you've worked with, obviously leave off, you know, names, but some stories of um, of transformation. So there's a lot of questions in there you could pick yeah. one. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to stay with the pandemic, actually, because first of all, I wrote Thriving Through Uncertainty right before the pandemic came out, you know, before the pandemic, right? So, you know, it was almost like, talk about you can't plan an inspired life, right? You know, of, you know, how how are you going to ever imagine something like that? And so I think the pandemic has changed the entire axis of everything. And I think, you know, uh, I have been doing this work for so many years, and I've been so moved and excited by helping people reach the spectacular potential in them, the gifts they have, the genius they have. It's always been exciting. But with the pandemic, it went to a whole other level because I think many of us may have been on a spiritual path or dabbling in personal growth or looking at human potential before. But with the pandemic, everything got rerouted, baby. It's like, it's almost like with the pandemic, it's like, okay, this is no longer optional. The grace period is now over. <laughs> you know, you've been studying this stuff. You've been looking at this stuff. It, it now be time, baby, right? So I think, I think so many people obviously got caught off guard and it was painful. And I'm not ever dismissing the level of pain that comes up for people. But I guess my excitement in it is knowing we were born for these times. We were born for these times. This is not an accident. And that again, when you see things that are, quote, falling apart, it's the old ways that are falling apart. Many of us were trying to hold on to lives that really didn't suit us or really weren't our happiest or really weren't making us feel alive, right? We were just, we were just getting through it. And so the old ways are falling apart so that we can finally listen to something else. And I know for myself, again, going back to my transition, there's no way I would have left my legal career. There is no way I would have walked out of everything without plan, without a plan, without money, without whatever. There's no way I would have done that unless I'd been in pain. You know, people, people always say, oh my God, you're so courageous. But for me, it wasn't courage. It was desperation. And desperation is the beginning of a lot of good things, right? Um, Nietzsche says that it takes chaos to give birth to a dancing star. So I think with the pandemic, we are seeing that the old ways are not sustainable and that, again, we're creating a new world. We're creating a new lives. And again, I work with a lot of creative people. I, I work with a lot of industry leaders and business people. And, and for me, what's really exciting is that it's not about making it in the world. It's about remaking this world with our love and our excellence and our passion. Because many of us diminish that in just terms of getting by or in terms of making an extra dollar, right? And I'm all, I'm, I'm all in favor of making money and that's wonderful and great. I have nothing against that. I love it. And I want you doing it from love. I want you being excited. I want you using your gifts. So again, I think the pandemic took this to a whole new level. I don't think it's going away. I think that we are watching a time of transformation. We are watching so many different individuals all at once start having to do some deeper work. Where Again, spirituality was optional before. Uh, but now I think in order to thrive, in order to feel peace, no matter what, in order to feel on fire, no matter what, it requires an inner path, whatever that is for each person. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, it's so powerful to hear that um, because I think there's this unshakable aspect to our lives that we must embody and be, um, you know, in, in order to really survive, especially the next five, 10, 15, 20 years, I think the world's going to be so drastically different than it is today. And in some ways, my prediction is the, the pandemic was just a kind of a, a, a beginning of a lot of changes to come. So mm -hmm. 
Yes. So what what sort of things have surprised you the most on this journey? <laughs> what hasn't? <laughs> I have to tell you, I mean, again, I mean, just as a, you know, I guess for me, like one of the things that has surprised me more than anything is that I, I am in this life. This was not what I set out to do. You know, like, you know, again, I'm talking to you about spirituality or whatever. I, I grew up in a very practical family. I have a very practical mind. This was not what I imagined or set out to do. You know, I always joke around of, I, you know, on my answering machine or voicemail or whatever, um, you know, it says something about, you know, and, I, and may you reach your spectacular potential and trust your journey. And, and I have friends from New York that are like, what happened to you? You used to be normal. What the hell happened to you? You know, and so, so one of the things I guess that has surprised me is uh, my own path in this. And the reason I mention that is because for all of us, this is not a career transition. It is not a relationship transition. It is not a financial transition. It's not a health transition. It's an identity shift. We are shifting our whole identity to really step into something extraordinary, uh, to trust at the level that I think this path demands, it, it just, it transforms our identity. So, you know, some of the, you know, surprising things for me, I, I mean, there's so many things of like, you know, my story of, you know, receiving that email out of the blue that changed my whole life, right? But I will tell you, I mean, there's so many things at times I doubted right before that happened. I received some other offer from um, a very famous author, actually. And she had offered to get my book to her agent and, you know, open doors. And something in me didn't feel right. And I remember thinking, who the hell are you to not feel right? This is an opportunity. You say yes, you know? And so it was so terrifying, again, to listen to yourself instead of what you think you should do. And I eventually said, no, I, I talked my partner's head off about it. We talked for hours and hours and hours. And I eventually said, I don't know why this doesn't feel right. I do want a major New York publisher, but for some reason, this doesn't feel right. And then like two weeks later, I got this other email out of the blue. And he saw it first and he was terrified. Like, oh my God, now we're gonna have to talk again. <laughs> and so, uh, But this time it was like, bam, right away. So when you say things that surprise me, I think it's just the thing of that we really don't even know ourselves, that we really don't even know what's right. You know, and of course, in miracles, um, uh, it says that I do not perceive my own best interests. I do not perceive my own best interests. And so sometimes, again, it's our brains that are trying to plan our whole lives, figure it out, what's safe, what makes sense, what other people have done that have succeeded. And this is, again, going to be a path of shelving that and saying, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm going to listen and I'm going to receive. And by the way, I am never, ever, ever against getting input from other people or listening to other people and getting all kinds of thoughts or advice, just as long as it doesn't get in the way of you listening to you. Right. So again, we, you know, we might, we might work with a coach or a therapist or whoever, but if they're doing their jobs, they're getting you to you, to your real voice, to your real genius. And again, in terms of surprise, it keeps shifting. I had no idea in a million years, I had no idea that this is what my path would look like. I had no idea that I'd be doing online programs, right? You know, and people around the world would be joining me. You know, Yasmin and I were talking right before, I couldn't even turn on my microphone. I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm the least techie person on the planet, you know, and it's like, uh, I have no idea, you know, of, of what's possible and neither does anybody else. And so it's, again, staying true to what you believe you want, but opening up to something even greater, something. And that greater, by the way, might be smaller. It might be that I don't want to do anything. I want a garden. I want to, I want to be with my grandchild. I mean, again, one of the things about this path is that we don't look at the circumstances. This is good. This is bad. This is big. This is small. We look at how does it feel to you? Does it move you? Does this feel good to you? So 
there's been a gazillion surprises. I'm still surprised. <laughs> wow. Oh, you're so inspiring. I feel um, like I just feel inspired to go create more and be a more authentic version of Yasmin. <laughs> Amen. Because we need her. We need her. There's only one Yasmin. There's only one Tama. There's only one John. There's only one who is ever listening. And again, every, every one of us has more strength than we know, but we're listening to everybody else. Mm. So who do you admire? And you know, what are some maybe people, books that, that have inspired you on this path and why? You know, it's funny because I get asked that all the time in different interviews, and I have finally decided that I'm going to tell the truth, you know, because I always <laughs> thought, oh, well, you should have the politically correct answer of, I admire this person, that person, and there are phenomenal authors out there. But to be honest with you, um, I think the things that have moved me, first of all, for me, my work with A Course in Miracles has been the thing that has been life-changing for me. And I hate that book, by the way, just so we're clear. <laughs> you know, like when I first looked at that book, it looks religious to me. It sounded whatever. Um, and yet the authority within it just rocked my world. And, and teaching it the way that I teach it, it more experientially made it, made it become more real. But to be honest with you, um, the things that have really, really influenced me most was writing my own books. Because in writing my own books, I wrote the books that I could not find. I, I'm a voracious reader. And when I'm scared, I want to read everything, see everything. Uh, and I could never find people who told me, yeah, but what do you do when you're freaking out? Or what does that feel like? All the self-help books or even the spiritual books always sounded like... Yes. And then I, and then I shifted into my quantum energy and I knew immediately what was to be, you know, or something like that. Or I'd always feel like, oh my God, I'm, I'm like failing self-help now. Like that's how pathetic <laughs> I am. Oh my God, there's no hope for me. And so I wrote my books for two reasons. I wrote them because I wanted to write something raw and honest about what is it like to be when you're freaking out and you and you're yet you're committed to this path and you're committed and you're going to do something. And I also wrote it because, like I said, we all have this inner excellence and this inner wisdom. And I needed to answer myself. I needed to, you know, I feel like if I can convince myself in my books, I can talk to anybody and I can stand with this for the rest of my life. Because if I can answer it for me and I know this worked, I'll stand behind it. So I needed to write those books, you know, that really shifted my mind, because I think a lot of us, again, we get into these things where we hear truths like, you know, be in the present or listen to love instead of fear. But like you said, what does that actually mean? And so I wanted to tell the actual stories uh, that people identify with and that they really feel. I mean, that's a comment I get more, you know, more than anything else is like, oh my God, Tom, oh my God, I thought I was crazy. And I read your book and I so identify. That's so amazing to me because I was writing every one of my books to save me and to heal me. And again, when we were talking before about like, what's your definition of success, I have to tell you that getting emails from complete strangers, that's something I did that my gift empowered them to believe again, to trust again. I'm going to die a happy woman because of that. I mean, that to me just blows my mind is, is one of the most satisfying feelings in the world that writing and speaking is my gift. And the fact that it's moving people to honor their gifts, that's my definition of success. So, um, so again, long-winded answer, but but for me, writing writing those books has really been the thing that has really made these truths enter my bloodstream. And I'm hoping that what's in the books really do it for other people too. Mm, that's so powerful and so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so Tama, are there any resources that you can point folks to in order to learn more about you? And um, if you want to tell people kind of like your main takeaway, what would it be? Um, well, first, first I will tell you, 
I think it's really, really important to get support because you'll get inspired, you'll get excited, you'll be ignited, and then you will forget all of this. <laughs> you know, it's like that bill will hit, right? You know, it's like, oh my God, yes, yes, I'm extraordinary. This woman, Tammy Keith, said it, I'm extraordinary. And then, you know, you're going to get your insurance bill or your mother's going to call or your wife's going to ask you, you're doing what now? And all of this is going to go out the window, right? So, um, so I want you to commit to yourself to getting support in some way. Um, of course, I would love I would love to be that support, but whatever that is for you, if you are interested in uh, joining me, obviously at tamakeves.com, tamakeves.com, I have three free uh, three days of free coaching that you could get as a resource to just start listening to yourself right now. There are three free video days uh, that really help you to start listening to that inner voice. Uh, I have all kinds of free resources on the website, tamakeves.com. Um, also on social media, uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and everything. Now TikTok, <laughs> all kinds of, all the social media out there because again, um, we do something where we do daily inspiration. Make sure you, if you go to my website, tamakeves.com, make sure you sign up for the for the um, newsletter because you'll get weekly fortune cookies that give you guidance every single week, something to work with every single week and it's free. So again, that's one thing I would say right off the, the, the bat is that if you want to rock your brilliance in this lifetime, join us because we are a worldwide community of people who are daring to live from inspiration instead of fear. And it's important to be with your tribe, smart, conscious, amazing human beings. And the and I guess as a takeaway, because um, if you didn't get enough, because <laughs> if you didn't hear enough, right? Um, this is the, what you want more now. Um, I, I think the main thing that I always want people to know, what I want people to know on my watch while I'm alive, is that your dreams are not frivolous. That your dreams and your desires are not frivolous. They are codes. They are imperative. There is an intelligence within you that will guide you every step of the way. And so, again, I see too many people thinking, oh, I don't have time for that, or I'm too old, or I failed in 1992, so why bother, or I've been trying this for years. Me too. My journals are filled with all the things that didn't work that I've been trying. But the whole point about thriving is we go on. We choose again. We start now. We enter the fire now because the second you do that, you're thriving again. So again, I want people to know that your dreams aren't frivolous, that this is, and it's not optional anymore. Like what we were talking about before, it's not even optional anymore. It's imperative. It's the time. Life is challenging enough. Let's get on your side. Let's learn how to cultivate the, the greatest relationship with yourself that you have ever, ever known. You know, in, in my book, Thriving Through Uncertainty, that's what I focus on is how do you create that relationship with yourself that you are championing yourself, that there, no matter what you're going through, it's never going to be a bad life if you're good to yourself. So again, your dreams aren't frivolous. They're imperative. Oh, powerful, powerful. Thank you so much, Tama. This was so inspiring. I could listen to you all day. <laughs> you might just have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm very curious about your other courses and I'm going to also check out the rest of your books, um, your earlier books. Um, so thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the work that you do and being you and um, what a joy to connect. Oh, same here. Thank you so much for the privilege of doing this and for the work you're doing of inspiring people and igniting people and getting messages out there and feeding people's soul, souls and all the work that you're doing to make this happen. I'm, I'm so grateful for people like you. Oh, thank you so much. And for our audience, thanks for joining and for listening. In this episode, we learned about creating the work you love and becoming wildly successful with Tama Keeves. And you can tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one -on -one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Thanks again.